because everybody, you know, everybody from kids to cabbies That's are talking right. about the Matrix. Why? It's, uh, science fiction because doesn't it deals with our humanity. It asks three basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose? That is about our humanity. Everybody has to ask that question to themselves at some point in their life, several times in their life, in fact. So I think that's why people connect with it so much. I mean, it works on so many different levels. That's correct. Do you think that's why it's such a big hit on DVD? That is part of why it is, yes. Because people can watch it over and over that's again. Right. That's right. I, I mean, I watch it. I mean, I've got to say, it, I, I find it a little bit difficult sometimes to understand quite what's going on. Well, you don't have to understand it all the time. You understand as much as you understand on one viewing. You understand a little something else on another. You can watch it several times and get something different each time. I think that's the beauty of it. And some of the critics have kind of been a little bit lukewarm in camp. Oh, thank you. We're live on Sky News. Thank oh, you well. very much. You wanna see and you wanna see like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see and you wanna see like when Bobby D says you're talking to me. Seen it all with Jeff and John. Hey everybody, welcome to Scene It All with Jeff and John, the podcast where we break down our favorite scenes from our favorite movies. I am Jeff Glover. And I am John Zabriskie. And in this episode, we know Kung Fu. <laughs> I know Kung Fu. That's right. <laughs> we are talking about a scene from the 1999 dystopian future, science fiction, action-packed, modern classic the Matrix. I love the Matrix. so sure was real. What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? It's the question that drives us, Neo. What is the Matrix? It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. You are a slave born into a prison for your mind. The Matrix is a system, Neo. That system is our enemy. Try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon. Human beings are a disease, a cancer of this planet. You are a plague, and we are the cure. So you're here to save the world. I'm trying to free your mind, Neo, but I can only show you the door. You're the one that has to walk through. It seems that you've been living two lives. I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips of them and hit nothing but air. Everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. So do you need guns? Lots of guns. No one has ever done anything like this. That's why it's going to work. Mr. Anders. What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets? No, Mia trying to tell you that when you're ready, you won't have to.
<laughs> oh my god, I love the Matrix so much. Oh, this is <laughs> this was a fun watch. This was just yeah. I, this is the kind. This is the movie. Clearly, I chose after the last one because this is how the time works and all that jazz. But uh, we had just finished talking about Point Break last time we talked, and just had to yeah. just had to stick the Keanu double feature here. And my favorite Keanu is The Matrix. Just love, love, love The Matrix. Uh, just a movie I adore. I watch it every couple of years, and um, I probably watched it earlier this year before recommending it, but the kind of movie I thought of recommending before I even had the scene in mind, I was like, okay, Matrix, we're going to go there next. What are we going to talk about? I don't know, but there's a, a lot of different scenes I, I could have chosen, and this is uh, this is the one I chose. I feel like this is one that we probably both had on our lists Absolutely. of movies we wanted to to do, and it's just sort of been sitting there and sitting there. And um, you just happened to grab it first. Uh, but man, I'm glad you did. This is one of those movies that you know we were talking briefly before we started recording that I started to try to write out some notes and thoughts on this movie. And it's kind of impossible for me. Like it's, there's just so much about it to say. There's, I have a rich history with this movie. There's so many themes and great lines and great scenes that, I, I, I'm going into this a little organically, John, like we're, I, I'm just going to uh, go where the conversation takes us. Cause there's, I, I don't want to uh, push this one way or the other. There's just, you know, this is a movie that uh, we should just allow to wash over us. I think. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the the perfect way to go about this. I, I made pretty minimal notes myself. Yeah. Uh, not just for a lack of time, but also because I, I know the movie pretty well and, um, right. Yeah. I'll, How many times do you think you've seen The Matrix? Oh man. Well, um, gosh, I don't know. Maybe we start off talking about like, did you see this in theaters? Because for some reason, somehow, I did not. Oh my god, is that true? Yeah, this is this is true. This is one that uh, I, you know, was uh, being passed. That's a movie shame, John. That's it's a little <laughs> bit of a movie shame, but I will say, yeah, just just coming into it uh, when. DVDs were first starting to hit their stride. This was like one of the first big ones to have. Um, I remember sitting around, you know, watching this at my dad's house and we're all just like in awe of it, of the effects and the ideas at play and like the duality of Matrix and the real world. But um, I'm sure since then I've seen it, I don't know, 20 times maybe. Yeah, I I feel like everybody had this DVD. Like if you had a DVD collection, yes. the Matrix was in there, right? In the early 2000s. Yeah. I did see this theatrically. Mm. Um, thank God. <laughs> and I um, I saw this, I think it was opening weekend, 1999. I was a freshman college student living in the dorms um, up at our alma mater, Western Washington University. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we had seen these commercials for this Keanu action uh, movie. And we were like, it was, you know, a Saturday or something. And we're like, let's let's go check this out. And it's funny when I think back on it, like, I don't think we had a lot of expectations. You know, you think about Keanu in this moment in time. And, you know, he'd done a couple action movies and proven himself as an action star, you know, with um, Point Break and, and Speed. Right. But he had kind of a weird moment there in the middle of the 90s where we weren't quite sure what Keanu was going to do next. You know, he made like Devil's Advocate mm-hmm. and, you know, some other stuff in there kind of trying to kind of break out as a more of an adult actor. Mm-hmm. 
and this came out and and I I don't want to say we went into it like thinking we were going to mock it. I think that's too far, but I do think that I had pretty low expectations and I thought I was just going to kind of see a a, a dumb Keanu action movie, you know? Mm -hmm. And my God, it was the furthest thing from that that I could have imagined. I, I remember leaving the theater and like literally the first thought I had was like, I think that's the greatest action movie that I've ever seen, <laughs> you know, like it blew me away. And you had seen Point Break at this time <laughs> and Predator <laughs> and I had, T2 I had. and <laughs> I was like, slide those DVDs over. <laughs> exactly. We're making this one goes in there. Some room yeah. for, for yeah. New instant classic. Absolutely. Um, for me, like I love the action and I, I tend to gravitate towards like, the genre of action a lot uh, yeah. throughout my life. But like, I think to me, um, the, just the ideology and the symbology and this duology, like I was talking about before, or what really uh, keeps me coming back because every time I'm watching, I'm always looking for something new. I'm always looking for like little details in the matrix right. because there's stuff there. There's little things like, um, especially in the beginning. And, and we've, I think we've even talked about this uh, earlier in the one one of our other episodes on hmm. seeing it all with Jeff and John, ding. Um, <laughs> I, f- I feel like I feel like at some point I, I was talking about loving status quos. I really like the beginnings of these heroes' journeys of these movies, and I just yeah. really liked the beginning to this movie, especially. And I, I think I remember even talking about it so much that I just went to go watch it. And this was just like a few months ago, I think. Um, but so there's all sorts of great early things like. Um, the your name here on the Zencasters, White Rabbit. Well, the yeah, well, right. the woman he's dealing the whatever encrypted material in the beginning with. Uh, she has a White Rabbit tattoo, and he's been told to follow mm-hmm. the White Rabbit. And another scene, there's like the soap suds running down the windows in his whatever uh, his boss's office before he knows about the Matrix, and it's like the bubbles are going down the window like lines of code. It's all these like mm, little yeah. tiny like little along the way. Um, I noticed that with like the raindrops coming down yes. the window of the car, yes. right when they're like taking the bug out of his stomach, mm-hmm. and it looks just like the code of the Matrix. Yes, yeah. yes, and I, I yeah. think they do it a couple times later on in the movie too. I mean, like in this scene right here, there's the falling water again. I that has to be uh, intentional again, but just, just looking for all those little nuggets. I, I love this kind of movie too, where it's saying something too about, <laughs> uh, we need human to existence and right. Yeah. You know. Humans as batteries. Like <laughs> we need to, we need to take care of our earth. We need to, uh, put our faith in humanity more than we need to put it into machines. It's such an interesting, like cerebral idea for the movie. And, Every time I watch it, I try to, I try to put myself back to that first time that I ever saw back. it because, back. Back. because you know, when you know where the story's going and you know what the reveal is, it's still fun to watch. Oh, absolutely! But there's there's something about that very first time when, and that was the cool thing about seeing it the opening weekend is no one had told me anything about it. And so I had nothing spoiled and I had no idea what was going to happen. And I really, I feel like the first half hour of this movie, the first 30 minutes of the movie is, is almost perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way the story unfolds and the way 
that it's hard to determine if what is happening is real or if it's a dream. And they do that intentionally while they keep on making him sort of wake up after scenes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, did that thing just happen or was it a dream? Right. And, and it, um, and the, just the way it methodically unfolds and then culminates with this scene with Morpheus and the red pill and the blue pill. And then the, the big reveal about that his reality is not real. Mm-hmm. Um, was such an eye-opening, like I had never seen that in a movie before. It was an idea that I had never seen. Like the idea that we could be living in a simulation is a common sort of philosophical um, premise, right? Mm-hmm. But I had, I had never seen it laid out that way in a movie um, so well and just so interestingly, like, man, the, the beginning and trying to put yourself back to that moment where you don't know what's going to happen. You try to watch it through that lens. You, like you said, you just notice so many details about what they're trying to do with the filmmaking and how they're trying to manipulate the audience and build you towards this big reveal. And it's just so good. I don't even know how else to explain it. It's just so good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And yeah, that 30 minute mark is just about where, where he takes the, the, the red pill it is. It's almost exactly a half an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I want to say that uh, Arnold in Total Recall, which we talked about a few shows ago, has that yeah. choice and he declines that choice. So we don't, we right. don't see him wake right. up. We don't see him <clears throat> come to as his true self. And we don't, know, we don't know if that's the truth anyway, because he ends up shooting the doctor in the head. And we don't know. That's the, that's the fun of that. It's just like, nope, not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> not not, not going to take it. Not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. Uh, Truman Show, though. Truman Show comes out a year before this. Thank you for your help. You're welcome, Truman. Truman. Um, oh, yeah. It's another one where you're trying to... Where, where, I think I think leading up to it, though, there, that if I remember correctly, that reveal is let on pretty early. It's like minute one of the movie. It's like, oh, Truman grows up in this observed world. Yeah, um, but a year later, here we have the Matrix um, with that not observe that lived-in world that, we're, like you're saying, we're not even aware of the whole time. So, like coming into that without that twist, uh, I don't know how trailers would not have spoiled that, or like people word of mouth would not have uh, spoiled that. Yeah, I haven't gone back to watch like the original trailer, um, but I know I, I know I saw the trailers for it on TV leading up to it. And I also know that I had no idea what to expect. So they must have, you know, just done enough to make it ambiguous so that you're not quite sure what's going on. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll have to drop that in there in the beginning like I usually do. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to, to kind of like, yeah, see that through the eyes of someone who, or even like watch the movie with someone for the first time seeing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's what sets it apart from the sequels. And it's why I think the sequels have never worked as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because this, this, it's the setup to this movie that I think makes it so strong. Like the last two thirds of the movie are great too. And it's amazing action sequences. And we're going to talk about one today and uh, visual effects are fantastic, but the mystery of the first half hour and the way the world is then opened up to you 
Um, they can't do that in any of the sequels because you already you already know the cat's out of the bag. Right. The, the sequels, I, I was watching Reloaded, the second one, yeah. over the past couple nights. And, like, it has a lot of engaging moments. And, like, the action mm-hmm. is just fantastic. You could tell, like, we're going to pour so much more money into the action, especially the, the action in the Matrix specifically. So, all the cool, like, fighting against the <laughs> the white guys with dreads. Um, right. <laughs> those are funny. <laughs> but uh, but it, they have to do the thing, being the sequel to this movie with, like, a dual world. Like, well, we have to explain the dual world. And they do. It's just, like... That's that's not what hooked the people in the first place. Like you're saying, it's that mystery. So with that mystery gone, it's like, well, we're going to showcase a lot of action, introduce some quirky character characters like the Merovingian, who's just yeah. kind of like annoying French guy. And it's like, whoa, like what <laughs> what are we doing? And it's just, yeah, it's still unclear what the purpose of that movie was, other than, um, like Neo saves Trinity's life again. Yeah, I always felt like the sequels were just kind of a showcase to do more big, huge action sequences and show off more big special effects. But they they lacked that interesting piece that the original has. Yeah. You know that that real that real cerebral angle to the story that it's just not there. And they they try to kind of unlock the secrets of this world and try to explain like how the matrix works, but it's very convoluted and you know, it's, it's sort of contrived I think at times. Mm -hmm. And so when I watch the sequels, I just try to watch them as just kind of fun action movies, Mm -hmm. you know, and in that, in that sense, they're fine. And, but um, you know, if if you try to connect them all together into a, coherent storyline it really doesn't work very well <laughs> right i mean a, a mo- maybe another movie shame is after i watched reloaded i did not want to watch the third one so i never really watched the third one <laughs> I, I, I i've seen bits and pieces of it and like i know the beats basically but it's just like i don't i don't know at least at least the cast is there doing their thing and the wachowskis are there putting it all together and yeah, making it presentable and action packed, but uh, I don't know. I think I think I, it just loses itself in its philosophy. Like, what was it really trying to say? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if I've ever watched the third one from beginning to end. Like, I I remember renting it. I didn't go see it in the theater. I remember renting it or whatever, and like I watched like half of it and then stopped for for some reason and like never picked it up again. And then years later, I tried to watch it again and like kind of watched it in pieces, but it just, it did not do it for me. I, I did watch the fourth one, like when it came out. Yeah, I enjoyed the, I think the fourth one is is my second favorite of the series. I, I enjoyed it enough. Yeah, I thought, I, I really liked the, just the idea of Neo and Trinity, like basically reset in the Matrix, which again is going back to the original. It's like, well, that's what the charm of the original is. It's like you're, you're like rebooted into this, you rebooted in this world and you're not aware. Well, like that was kind of the fun of it is we're aware that they're in the matrix and they kind of have to catch themselves up uh, in that movie. And it really focuses on those two for the most part, which is nice. Cause um, yeah, Keanu and Carrie and Moss just, I think knock it out and they're, yeah, they have, they have great chemistry and it's just fun to see them on screen together after all these years, after 20 odd years. So speaking of cast, yeah. um, 
Matrix has a great cast. Yes. And some some great performances, even from some of the silly side characters. I I if I had a, one gripe with um with the Matrix, for me, a lot of the scenes like on the Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. don't quite work as well for me. No. Um I, I they feel a little clunky sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um but that's my only gripe because I everything else is great, and I think Kiana was perfectly cast in this, and uh, Carrie Ann Moss as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you gotta love Larry Fishburne. Oh my he's, gosh, he's so great in this. <laughs> he's like the perfect, the perfect guy they got to play that part. I can't picture anyone else being Morpheus. Do you believe that my being stronger or faster has anything to do with my muscles? In this place. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's air you're breathing? <laughs> Speaking of which, I remember like one of the early like videos making the rounds like way before YouTube. Like I'm talking like 2000 or 2001 maybe. I think it's that far back. In some LimeWire videos? or <laughs> Some LimeWire or it just showed up like on Newgrounds or E-Bombs World. I can't remember like where you'd go for like funny videos. It was just kind of like the Wild West. Like you just right. If you found one, awesome. You're gonna stick to it. Geo cities. Geo cities. Yeah, nobody knows how to say it. I think it's <laughs> gooey cities, right? Gooey cities. <laughs> gooey duck. Gooey duck. <laughs> but like early on, um, a video of that. My brother Aaron found was someone had cut together a few of the scenes of the Matrix and put in fart sounds. <laughs> just like a few. It's like, you know, it's like a 30 second, maybe 45 second video like they used to be. And it's just like, the. do you think that's air you're breathing? And then he farts. You think that's air you're breathing now? Right after that, I'll I'll drop that in there. When the Oracle's making cookies, she she farts and she says, Smell, "Smells good, don't they?" Smell good, don't they? Yeah. Um. <laughs> and then of course Smith farts and he says, "It's the smell." Can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. It's the smell. It's the smell. Oh, speaking of casting, I mean, like, what a wonderful villain we have in this. Uh, yeah, we haven't even talked about Agent Smith. Yeah, Hugo Weaving, uh, Lord Elrond, and the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, and right. starting the next year, I, th- I think he just kills it as just just this sadistic. I don't know, manipulating, but always like, yeah, you can tell like something else is going on with his character. Something else is like making him stand out from the other agents where he's acting. Well, with his own agency, where he's like taking out the earpiece at one point, he's like trying to explain to Morpheus how he just wants to get out of the Matrix. I can't stand it. I hate this place, this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. It it feels personal to him, right? Yes. Like, like there's a backstory there you don't know, or he's just fed up with his job. He's tired of of fighting these people inside the matrix. He just wants to go back to I don't know being a machine somewhere. Who who knows? I think I think his end goal comes across at least in revel or uh, maybe towards the end of here and then Reloaded. It comes off like he just wants it to end. He wants to be all done. Mm-hmm. Like maybe even existing, or maybe has a different. <laughs> process to follow because you know he, he's some kind of 
not a virus. He's, he's like a little computer program. Maybe he needs to have like a better use of, of his energies. It adds a great element to his character as a villain because it gives him a little unpredictable, unpredictability, yes. you know, like a little chaos. Like you, he might um, fly off the handle at any moment or go rogue or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. so you're not, not quite ever sure what he's capable of. Guys, why aren't the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes! Wild card, bitches! Yeah! Yeah, part, and part, speak of- part two, he just shows up and he's like... He is definitely the uh, comedy, the comic relief in part two. He has all sorts of like little one-liners. He's turning agents, other agents into himself. And he's like attacking Neo a bunch. And like at the end of their fight, Neo literally flies away. He just kind of, all the copies of Smith are just kind of looking around awkwardly, like not knowing what to do with their hands. Just like, (laughs) I'm just going to walk away this way now. (laughs) I mean, in terms of like his acting as being that character like is there anyone else in the movie that has a line delivery that's more quotable you know like the way his sentences sort of drip off of him when he's saying his lines you know like yeah that's the sound of inevitability you hear that mr anderson that is the sound of inevitability it, when you quote this movie, it's a lot of times you are quoting Agent Smith from the way he says stuff. It's Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, if I'm quoting anybody <laughs> in this movie, absolutely. It's Agent, Agent Smith, um, the... Excuse me. It's the smell. It's the smell. <laughs> A little Sean Connery there. Dude. It's the smell. <laughs> it's the smell. Connery creeped in. I think Connery was at one point considered for not Morpheus, but the architect who shows up in part two. And it's like, it's just, it's true. That's what the, the MDB trivia tells me. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Can you imagine that? Good God. It's like, that's already just a, such a... Yeah, it says, uh, despite widespread rumors, Sir Sean Connery was offered the role of the architect in the mm. sequels, not that of Morpheus. <laughs> you call this architect? I feel like Connery would have just sexually harassed everybody. <laughs> Trinity. Come shit down on me. <laughs> Why don't you touch your toes, Neo? <laughs> All his lines would be the same, but they would have a different connotation. Like, ooh, it's the smell. It's the smell. Smell those fingers. Oh, that's gross. Oh, no. Chef. Oh, no. <laughs> that's sticky, icky. Oh, God. Dude. Dude. Whoa. I want to see that now. The Matrix with Sean Connery is Agent Smith. <laughs> The sound of inevitability. <laughs> Should we talk a little bit about the scene we're going to get into here? Oh, I remember. Yeah, just real quick. I remember what. Uh, oh, sure. so, yeah, so, yeah. so you brought up the thing, the scenes inside the Nebuchadnezzar feel like a, uh, a different tone. I, yeah, I was texting you the other day about how even though this movie is made in the late 90s, like 97, 98, I believe, comes out in 99. Um, it doesn't necessarily have all that Gen X, uh, what's the word, angst in it until yeah. until you're jumping aboard the Nebuchadnezzar. Then you're feeling like, oh, this is like 
you know, these people are still like wearing a little bit of the flannel, um, the ripped <laughs> jeans, which I know are coming back. I know they're coming back. I see it every yeah, day. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's where like you could maybe hear a little bit of that kind of like angsty music in the background or like people kind of being a little bit edgy towards each other. Like, like this is the real world, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> this shit is hard. Yeah, the government sucks. That's a good point. I didn't think of it that way, but you're absolutely right. Um, maybe that's why it feels that way. It also feels a little like bulk of this movie is so visually striking. Mm-hmm. Like amazing cinematography. Awesome. 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 <laughs> awesome. <dude>. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It's the smell. It's the smell. Dude. Dude. <laughs> like just, I'll, I'll switch to great. Just great uh, action set pieces and all that. And I feel like when they flip back to the ship, it, it feels very, I don't know. It feels a little more static. It feels a little clunkier. Mm-hmm. It, in a weird way, it almost feels like the interior set of a sitcom that they're all a part of. At least until they kill off three of them or four of them and or five yeah. of them. Sorry. And they kill off dozer. And <laughs> I never understood what the naming convention is there. Like one's dozer, one's tank that would indicate like <laughs> they're both big dudes. One's clearly a big dude. And the other is kind of like the scrawnier one. He should be like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't even know like a uh, unicycle or um, I don't know. A unicycle. <laughs> unicycle. <laughs> you know, real quick sidetrack. What would be your matrix name? I was thinking about this. The other day. Well, he goes by his hacker name, Neo. What would you what would you be? So let's see. We got mouse, we got tank and dozer. Switch and APOC. I don't know what APOC is. Sounds awesome though. Yeah, APOC, that's actually cool. Morpheus, yeah, Trinity. Yeah. Cypher. Cypher, that that's so nineties. Cypher. <laughs> Cypher, which turns out I was doing the, the, the trivia there, it means zero in Arabic. So oh, if you're coding okay. that like Neo, he just rearranged to one in Cypher means zeros and trinity of course means three uh does anybody is there like a two i don't think so switch is maybe like a two i don't know neo is an anagram of one the one right yeah the one el uno el uno there you go yeah. <laughs> uh i don't know what would my what would my my na- matrix nebuchadnezzar name be um i imagine if i was on the nebuchadnezzar i would probably more like a, a techie guy more uh, in the vein of like mouse i'm also not a big dude like a tank or a dozer um, <laughs> again one of them is a big dude <laughs> <laughs> one of them is a big dude yeah the other is just like average size they should have just called a medium i don't know <laughs> the mess. so i don't know maybe they'd call me like um floppy disk or uh... <laughs> that's way too close of <laughs> Call me floppy disk. Oh, please only call me floppy disk. Never say a different way. <laughs> oh, no floppy disk. You can call me floppy. Floppy for short. Sloppy disk. Floppy D for short. The D is for disk. The D. God damn it. Why don't you guys understand it? Stop D's calling me disk. Floppy dick. <laughs> I'm just always mad. God. <laughs> Why don't they understand my name? <laughs> Do you have a matrix name chosen? I was trying to look up on websites if there's like a site I'll convert your name to like a hacker or a matrix name, but <laughs> right. I couldn't find anything. Instead, it was just like, these are cool hacker names. Things like Habitat and... Uh, <laughs> 
acid. Acid. <laughs> good good lord. lord. Like, we're still in the 90s, I guess. <laughs> what are some of the hacker names from the movie Hackers? I don't know. I can't, I can't, I don't really know that. I don't know that movie very well. I don't know that movie. You don't know ha- a hacker. I used to love fucking hacker. I probably saw it once and it just didn't really. Oh, Matthew Lillard is serial. Oh. That's a good one. Uh, we've got Freak with a PH. Yep. Uh, the Plague, Razor, <laughs> the Plague, Wraith, Wraith, and Blade. Oh, Lord, <laughs> yeah, these are all just nerds on keyboards. Just nerds on keyboards. Yeah, and then like the main characters are just Dade and Kate. Although they do have names. One of them's like, oh shit, what is his name? <laughs> like, like Johnny Hotspot or something. <laughs> Orwell's here now. He's living large. We have no names, man. No names. We are nameless. Meet serial killer. Eyes and Fruit Loops. That's more like a real hacker that's been in their profile. Johnny Hotspot. Johnny Johnny Hotspot. Johnny Hotspot. Oh, man. Uh, Okay, I'm going to go. Oh, that's right. He's serial because he calls himself the serial killer. And it's spelled like serial the food. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, that's my next movie. We're doing Hackers. Okay, okay. Wow, that's, that's an early uh, early give. Thank you for yeah hinting there. Uh, how about Catch-22? Uh, oh, Hoax. Okay. Hoax is a good one. I like that one. Hoax. Okay, I can see that. Uh, Witcher. I don't know. Some of these are just like, they're like basketball names. There's The Answer. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Onyx, Gloom, Shadow. I like Shadow. That's That's a solid one. Onyx. I like that one too. Onyx. But that's also a Pokemon name too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, boys be boys. <laughs> <laughs> there's Cypher. There's Lynx. No, not Lynx. Get away. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go Shadow. You're going to be Floppy D. We're having a good <laughs> quick time. Shadow and Floppy D. I almost spit Jenny Dog. <laughs> 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 Call me the Lush. <laughs> <laughs> the S is a five, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. That's how you have to do it. All right. All right. Speaking of uh, the Matrix and seeing it all, we should probably talk about the scene we're talking about. Yeah? We should talk about the scene we're talking about. All right. Yeah. What what scene did you choose? This was your choice, John, your movie. So uh, what, are we, what are we doing here? There we go. Is the A a four? I think the A has to be four. There we go. I just wrote my name in what we call Leet speak. (laughs) I speak Leet. And can we see what they're saying? In Leet speak. Luckily, I speak Leet. Shut (laughs) up. It also sounds like a My Little Pony character. That's fine. No, that's true. I'm going to shame people for like an MLP. Uh, I chose the scene where. Did I write it down? Yes, where Neo and Trinity pull off a daring rescue of Morpheus from the clutches hmm. of the Matrix's sinister agents. And yes, the sinister agents is a callback to the scroll in episode four, New Hope, Star Wars. You gotta throw that in there. But they are in fact sinister agents. The agents They sure are. The agents of Brown, Jones, and Smith. Now, there are a lot of scenes in this movie <laughs> that you could have chosen. Yes. Uh this is a good one. Thank you. And um, as you mentioned, like, we probably could have just chosen this entire movie as the scene. Um, I chose the scene of the movie. (laughs) Yeah, the whole thing. But this is a great little snippet because it's 
it's um i don't know this is obviously it's not the climax of the movie but it it feels like this is the scene i think of when i think of this movie mm. you know and right right before this is the shootout in the lobby right which is also you could have probably lumped that in if you wanted to but then it would have been pretty long <laughs> but um that's also one of those that when I think of this movie, I think of the shootout in the lobby. I think of Morpheus in the chair with the dripping rain. Mm. I think of Trinity swinging on the rope with the building exploding behind her oh. with the helicopter. Like we we get we get all the we get all the hits here, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is a good one. Yeah, and if if you want to lump like you're saying, if you want to lump more of Morpheus's rescue together, like there's just so much scenes you can add to this at the end. Um, yeah, just, just to give it a quick, um, cutting off point, like this is starting here. My entire scene starts with, uh, the helicopter lowering into view of the window where the agents are with Morpheus and the whole scene ends once tank receives the call that they have Morpheus and he's like ready to find whatever their landline escape back to the Nebuchadnezzar out of the matrix. Um, but there's so much I could have expanded, like you're saying, like I could have expanded, uh, one way to the lobby shootout after they get guns, lots of guns. And I could have gone yeah. the other way to where he, uh, where Trinity and Morpheus get out using the phone. Uh, Neo has to Kung Fu fight and maybe some gun Fu also uh, against the Smith. And then he, he's run to the next phone uh, that they have set up, but he's ambushed and he's killed then comes back to life. And then, He's basically showing that he's the one by seeing all the ones and zeros and he destroys Agent Smith. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're, they're just like scenes within scenes. Like this whole yeah. third act is the rescue of Morpheus. And I'm just taking like the four minute snippet right here and not like the entire, <laughs> I don't know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. I think that's smart though, because there's a lot of pieces of this that are sort of a microcosm of this entire movie that will, will give us some good conversation. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one. I, I think you you chose wisely, as they say. Hey, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John, what's at stake? What's at stake? Well, they're they're rescuing their mentor, their rescuer, their well, yeah, they, who him who rescued them. It sounds kind of religious. There, <laughs> he who rescued me. Uh, they are yeah. Neo and Trinity have to save Morpheus who sacrificed himself in pursuing... And I wrote all this down because it's better than coming up with it sometimes. <laughs> uh, they must save Morpheus, who has sacrificed himself in pursuing the liberation and illumination <laughs> of those once shackled to the Matrix. Will Neo and Trinity succeed in freeing their mentor? Mm. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. We'll just have to watch and find out. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to find out. We'll find out for the first time when I read us the scene. <laughs> 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 yeah, all this is going to be like surprise after surprise if you've yeah, never seen new. this movie. Like, I didn't know that happened. <laughs> um, all right, should we jump in? Let's jump in. Okay, this is going to be part one. We're going to go from one hour, 48 minutes, and 16 seconds until one hour, 50 minutes, and 29 seconds. We find Agent Jones, who joins Agent Brown and Agent Smith in Morpheus's interrogation room in the agent's downtown skyscraper with water pouring down as a result of Neo and Trinity's earlier assault on the lobby of the building. The three agents look to the windows, where a helicopter flown by Trinity lowers itself into view. Neo is manning the chopper's minigun, or you might say, Old Painless is waiting. Old Painless is waiting. Old Painless is waiting. And he blasts the agents through the windows 
making a mess of everything in its path. The walls and the windows are completely destroyed. As the minigun winds down, Smith takes control of a nearby soldier. The handcuffed, seated Morpheus comes to, yelling and breaking his handcuffs before running for the windows. Agent Smith shoots at Morpheus from the next room, eventually tagging Morpheus right in the calf. Morpheus jumps out the window, and Neo leaps from the chopper while he's attached to some chopper rope to catch him. Trinity flies the chopper away as Smith shoots the chopper's fuel tank. End of part one of this scene. Mm. Oh man, where do we begin here? This is great. I, I, I think we have to begin with old painless. I think mm. uh, a lot of the, <laughs> uh, a lot of good movies uh, include a minigun. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think we've talked about one as our first episode with uh, T two. We talked a whole movie about old painless yeah. with Predator Minute. Old painless is waiting. Yeah. So I, I think this is the third time we're talking about it. I don't. There might be another minigun that slipped in somewhere along the way. <laughs> Slip, slipped but. in your minigun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what's nasty. Oh, slip it in there. <laughs> but it's like, it's it's one of the things that popped up and I was like, oh yeah, he does fire a minigun. Yeah. Like, they, they had all these guns, but they used them all in the lobby and the rooftop. Now they're using like a, basically a commandeered gun uh, to be firing at all these agents, and I'm like, I'm, and I'm, I'm here for it. I, I have to say, as, as usual, uh, minigun is uh, winning me over. I should call it the the winning gun. One hundred percent. Like, there's a lot of like iconic imagery contained right in this scene. Like, so many of there's so many little parts of this scene that happen so quickly, but yet they're just burned into my brain. Um, mm-hmm. When I think about this scene, you know, like. Just the chopper at the very beginning, the chopper lowering down in front of the window and you see Neo kind of turn with the minigun and then it cuts over to Agent Smith who just goes, no. no. Yes. And, you know, <laughs> and then the gun starts firing no. and um, just the camera work here and the choice in editing and the way they cut back and forth between real time and slow motion, I think is pretty brilliant um, mm-hmm. I love it. It's never distracting. Uh, it's not like how, like in a John Woo film, the the slow motion becomes like almost comical sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it all works really, really well. You know, I always think of when they show the minigun firing into the the flooded water on the ground, and they'll show it happen in slow motion, and then they quick cut to it happening real fast in real time, <laughs> so you get a right. sense of how fast things are moving. But then they slow it down for you so you can just enjoy the water splashing, the bits of wall and pieces of debris flying everywhere. And then Mm -hmm. they'll cut back to something happening fast and then they cut back to that slow motion. And it's just all done so expertly. It's fantastic. Yeah, I I think that's – I had mentioned with the uh, Reloaded, that was one of the weaknesses Mm -hmm. um, was this just – this. As much as the action was so solid there and so well directed and so visually pleasing, they would also just linger on so much slow motion. Every time Morpheus, Larry Fishburne did something, they're slowing down the camera during these action scenes, which just really stretched them out. There there was not this um, balance of ramping up and slowing down that you see here. It was just like a lot more slowdown than needed, which makes like this awesome – 
um, whatever, whatever the, the scene, that highway scene in Matrix 2, um, it just makes it stretch on and on and on because it keeps slowing it down. And so I'm just kind of waiting for the next slowdown. But like you're saying, you're having a really good side by side of just how fast this gun is firing. And it's a mini gun, so it's firing very quickly. I yeah. think we did our research back in the day, and it was something like 6,000 rounds per minute is the output. And, and it's just so satisfying to see Neo like have the upper hand against these agents for once, where so often they have uh, outgunned our heroes and they have like outkung food our heroes and just out multiplied our heroes. But here, uh, he's not going to let them happen. He, he's going to give them, <laughs> he's going to give them his own version of bullet time, which is all the bullets like at this time. Yeah, you're right. It is so satisfying in that sense. Like for once, he has the upper hand. Like mm-hmm. he's coming in on the offensive. And he has a surprise that hasn't happened yet. I don't think at all on this right. movie with the agents. I think they're always dropping in and surprising the heroes. They're changing the code and then ambushing them. Yeah. And this time he gets to do that, right? Yeah. Exactly. This time, yeah, this time he gets to do it. They lower, they lower that helicopter and they're like, no, right? Like you're saying, no. just this huge, this huge surprise to all three of them. No. And they're, they're cut to ribbons pretty quickly. Again, which is pretty satisfying, but it's like it's always a hollow victory with agents because they're always taking the form of someone else in the matrix, which which makes me think that if that's the case, then they're just constantly jumping person to person. And so maybe them themselves, they themselves don't actually exist as walking around people as much as they're just jumping to the next person. Right. I don't know if you had that um if you had that impression this time around yeah that's that's the the idea i've always kind of had in my head is that they don't need to like travel from place to place right they can just sort of inhabit whoever's close just Mm -hmm. become that person how about the bullets falling from the chopper right into the camera from that low Mm. low angle shot yeah iconic very iconic very satisfying it's uh it's kind of like what uh Zack Snyder does in his movies when mm-hmm. he intend there's guns, there's a lot of uh, like these fetishistic shots of the, the bullet casings falling and close up of the guns. And here it's done. I, I, I have to admit it's done here and it is satisfying for some reason. It's, it's just like, I, I don't know. I, I can't think of anything symbolic right now. It's just, just a really pretty shot of the, the brass falling. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just badass, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. badass. Like you're watching this, amazing action sequence and when they slow the time down to show you a slow motion shot of like Jeez. hundreds of casings falling down right into your face because yeah. they move the camera down there in that perspective like it's just so cool mm-hmm. <laughs> so cool yeah there's there's this <laughs> there's a lot of casings flying in, in this movie like even the, the desert eagles that the agents are firing are just littering casings all over the ground every time there's a shot there's just casings 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 yeah. it was honestly one of the more satisfying things on the more realistic first person shooters i remember like back in the day like oh if you fire these guns like all these casings fall out right, it's like that's right. so that's so realistic golden eye and perfect dark yeah <laughs> we also get an example of a kind of special effects technique that i had never seen in a movie before i saw the matrix and Right at the beginning of the Matrix in the opening action sequence, we see an example of this when Mm. Trinity jumps up into the air and they sort of freeze frame her and then rotate the camera around while she's frozen. And then the action continues, you know, had you ever seen anything like that before in a movie? I I don't remember. Oh, no, not at all. I I do believe it was introduced in this movie, this uh, 
concept of bullet time where, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just say, we see that with when Morpheus gets shot in the leg, right? They do that. They, they freeze, yes. they swing the camera around, and then we see the bullet kapow, go right through his calf or whatever. But yeah, the, the most iconic use, of course, happened earlier in the rescue of Morpheus, uh, where Neo is dodging either Agent Brown's or Agent Jones's gunfire when he leans back and the the shot rotates around him. I, I remember back in the day, this was such a huge deal, this bullet time. I remember there's documentaries like detailing how they did it, where they literally just set up cameras all around the scene. And then of course they'd have to go back and edit out all the cameras. But then like each camera is taking uh, a shot of the action, but it's like hundreds of like these little cameras, like just, just unbelievably, uh, unbelievably complex and like, how forward thinking you have to be in order to picture this in your head. Like we're going to, and the, the whole effect is over within half a second. Right. There's so much so setup, really months of setup and yeah. months of planning. And like, this is what it's going to look like. And it just looks amazing. And it's, I think a huge part of it is it's, it's not a CGI creation. It's That's like it. made with yeah, real cameras. CGI. Yeah. I mean, there's CGI in the movie, of course, Yeah, but it's, it's one of these examples of, it's one of the things I love about '90s movies that do this well when they marry together CGI with practical effects. I think that's mm-hmm. the most effective way to do special effects in a movie, and unfortunately, we don't see it very much anymore. But um, yeah, the, the Matrix was was ahead of its time in that regard. You know, I, I think of the Matrix like I think Starship Troopers does that incredibly well. Also, mm. like bringing the two you know, uh, special effects worlds together. And, um, yeah, the, the way they had to construct that actually using hundreds of tiny cameras to get those shots, right. Is it's really like, it's a dedication to what, to the, what their vision was, you know, like imagine them going to the producers and being like, look, this is going to (laughs) take this many dollars and this many days to set up a shot. That's going to be, um, half of a second, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but somehow they convinced the people involved that like, no, this is worth it. It's going to, it's going to be right. Don't worry. Yeah. They, they must've been <laughs> doing some really good pre-production. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just amazing. It's just the, the, the vision and being able to convince the studios, because I think this is their second movie, the Wachowskis, I believe, I think bound is their first one. Or maybe that's their first like big one. That's their first major one. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> before this one, and like that's enough to <laughs> make a blockbuster to put at at the time. I think sixty million. It's pretty wild. Dollars into it. it went from that to this. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to look into it, but um, yeah, it's it's just quite quite the ramp up. So from then on, they have that blank check like they call it like right the one podcast calls it or like anybody could call it just that freedom to make whatever they want i mean maybe it's a good opportunity do you, do you know other wachowski movies are you are you fans of other things I, I i can't say i know a whole lot else about them other than what do we have um anything else that they directed other than the matrix movies that i've seen we're famous for a couple kind of Duds. What's that one? Jupiter Ascending, isn't that Jupiter Ascending? That one that they did. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. I'm. I'm like. Yeah. Jupiter Ascending, and that was kind of a flop. Yeah. And Cloud Atlas, which I know that was something that I think a lot of people embrace because it's another movie that's messing with reality and, in this case, time also. And excuse me, a lot of philosophy at stake there. A lot of like 
ideas of like resurrection and rebirth. And that was a movie I just could not be into. I just, I, just for me, I can always connect the characters and I don't, I didn't like the characters there. I didn't like, yeah, I've, I've never actually seen it. No, they have a real mixed bag after the matrix movies, like mm-hmm. Jupiter sendings in there. They did speed racer. Yeah. I, I, I hear a lot of people like speed racer and it, at least it has the, a really cool visual style from money here, but I just never saw it. Um, but no, I mean, um, they wrote a lot of stuff. It looks hmm. like, like they they helped write uh, like V for Vendetta. Yeah, I like V for V. Excuse me, V for Vendetta. That was a lot of fun. The Matrix is kind of their lasting legacy, really. And the sequels, mm-hmm. I mean, they never made anything quite up to par with that movie. It's it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I think they kind of went that matrix path for a while uh until what oh nine and then they have a long gap between cr enter the matrix which is the video game mm-hmm. and matrix resurrections right right interesting yeah it looks like they directed some tv since eight yeah I, I remember that having their name attached but i never never saw it i think that was a netflix series yeah 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 i never saw it either hmm Interesting. Again, like it was, it was following a lot of different characters, and a group of people, a group of people around the world are suddenly linked mentally and must find a way to survive being mm. hunted by those who see them as a threat to the world's order. Well, you know, at least they're they're sticking to brand. They're sticking sure. to <laughs> taking on the man. High concept, you know. Yeah, high concept. Uh, people who are maybe fringe characters becoming the heroes. Um, so yeah, I'm all for them. Keep, keep making stuff. Uh, I mean, Matrix Resurrections, man, I'm slurring so bad. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's the one beer I had. Omission Brewing Company Pale Ale. <laughs> gluten reduced. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Gluten reduced. Gluten reduced. Going to reduce some gluten. Give me a floppy D. <laughs> Oh, oh man. Okay, well, maybe we, we change gears. So we need to talk about like not the second part of the scene I chose, but the second part of this first part. This is where Morpheus is going just incredible Hulk, and he's breaking out. It does I, I love this? It, it's just like, oh, who else is a superhero in this movie besides Neo and Trinity? Oh, Morpheus. Yeah, that brings up a point, just an overall point about this movie. That one of the reasons it makes it so effective is like. Things happen sometimes that might feel unbelievable, you know, like what all of a sudden Morpheus is strong enough to break the chains. Why didn't he do that earlier? You know, like that type of thing. But they're in the matrix. Like they have the power to manipulate their surroundings. And um, this was just the moment when he was able to muster up the strength or the, the mental strength to make this happen. So you buy into it. Like when it happens, like I'm all in for it. I'm like, yeah, break those chains. <laughs> yeah. And Neo's saying, get up, get up. Uh, to me, that's really similar to how they talk to each other aboard the Nebuchadnezzar while someone's in the matrix. They're constantly like yelling at each other, like, come on, come on. Like right. they can't hear you. <laughs> right. Like, they're, they're, they're in dreamland. They're in Kansas. They're down the rabbit hole right now. They can't, they can't hear you, but I mean, and it is, is realistic, and that's what you would tell someone, like, far off. If you're wanting them to do something, you're not just going to sit there and wait. You're going to, like, egg them on whether they can hear you or not. And and Morpheus is just, yeah, clearly done with this shit. And, he does, <laughs> and Larry Fishburne does this 
great thing with his eyes where his eye he can roll his eyes way up there yeah and he eventually rolls them down and as soon as he does like you you know he's gonna bust out you know he's gonna be able to rejoin the team this also begins um the sequence that's gonna go into the second part of our scene here but um it's worth starting to talk about now which is like as the action transitions to the helicopter which happens as soon as morpheus jumps and mm-hmm. Neo has realizes, oh, wait, he got shot in the leg. He's not going to make it. So I need to jump and catch him halfway, which is a great like setup for this. It begins this sequence with the helicopter. There's a ton of like physics in play. Mm-hmm. And like the way the helicopter is moving around and swinging them on the rope. And uh, every, you know, like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but you understand exactly what's happening, which I think is a really hard thing to do, actually. But the way that they show the action kind of progress really gives you a sense of like the physics of what's happening with the helicopter and them hanging on to each other. And it leads to the second part of our scene, which has a great, uh, has a, a great conclusion. So um, I mm-hmm. think that's worth mentioning. Like it's just all put together really well. Like the geography of what's going on, you never lose a sense of where they are and what's happening. It, it, it's pretty darn amazing what they're able to pull off. Not just Neo and Trinity in the movie. That's also amazing. But like <laughs> what the film, uh, the film creators are able to able to do again, like you're saying, it's so hard to do, especially in these high octane action movies with multiple characters and guns firing and vehicles moving yeah. to keep it all straight. So you're not ever wondering like, well, who's in that car over there? Or like, who's that guy hanging off of Nia? Like, you know, all the time who's doing what, where they are. Um, I, I think a testament to that or like a, a through line that we've seen in other movies, like a predator or like a first blood is, um, and it's totally opinionated. It's whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's, there's, I'm sure there's some other movies we've seen, um, kind of like North by Northwest as well. Like I, to me, like the better able you're able to, the better able, what is the word I'm trying to say? The more you're able to like focus in on just like a core group of characters and not keep deviating to other parts of a story or like right. other parts of the universe. Right. It's like that, that's the more focus. That's what we're going to care about. But then you hit like a part two of Matrix and like all of a sudden we're in, Zion, while the rest of the team is away, nobody's in Zion who we know or care about from the first movie. Yeah, it's all this stuff like, oh, this Commander Locke and the Counselor, and like, what's going on here? Like, they're just kind of jibber jabbering about all the politics, and like, I don't, don't care about that. I just want like, where's my core group of characters? Where's Neo? That's all I want to know. Like, that's so true. You're right. Like, they yeah. they don't ever stray from our core group. Like, mm-hmm. in the end, this movie is really about Neo. Trinity and Morpheus and Agent Smith. Right. And and that's what we get. And that's what we want when we're watching it. That's what we want in this climax scene is we want the conclusion of these four characters. What is going to happen here? And you're right. And that's, that is part of the downfall of the sequels is they become too convoluted with too many other people and characters and things that they're trying to world building that they're trying to do that just doesn't quite work. Yeah. And like, like I said, a lot of that is personal preference. Like a lot of my favorite movies, like a predator, like a star Wars, yeah. uh, like a hot fuzz. Like they just, they just focus in on those characters. That's who we stick with. And like, Sure, other things are happening outside of them, but they're like they're learning those things when we're learning them. It's not like we're gonna jump over here to the other side of town and like, what is the villain up to? Like, let's lean over the shoulder. Yeah, Star Wars does that, but 
it's still a small enough story where we're not splitting too much. It's not, here's the good right. guys over here and here's good guys over here. It's just like, here's good guys. Here's bad guys. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess I tend to like the kind of more straightforward, like stick to those characters kind of stories. Yeah. Well, it, it, it focuses the movie, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you can put all of your energy into making the best story possible because you're not trying to stretch yourself thin, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think we may be ready to talk about this helicopter, uh, uh, sequence. What do you think? Uh, let's see. Oh, la- last thing, a little Greek mythology and Greek mythology. Who's like, who else is going to talk about this? Like other than <laughs> us, like we're doing it now. Maybe other doing people it doing we're doing it live. We're doing it live. Um, Morpheus in Greek mythology is the God of dreams, which is of course very ironic because mm. Morpheus's job in this movie is to wake people up from those dreams to awaken them. You think that's air you're breathing now? Uh, so that's a, a fun little twist on the name. Nice. Um, then, like of course, that. you have Neo. Like you mentioned, you rearrange the letters to make the one yeah. or one. Uh, you have Trinity, which I'm not really sure what the reference is there other than just maybe it's to remind you of like Christ's uh, religiosity where like Christ is like the father, the son, the Holy Ghost in one person, like a Trinity. Mm. I always thought of it a little more on the nose, like she's sort of the third character. <laughs> 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 Hello, I'm the third one. Even though like Neo is not around when she's named, it's like they always had her. It's like naming the first kid Dose or something like that. Like, no, we got another one in the pipes, if you know what I mean. A bun in the oven, Dose. <laughs> He just took it to be because she's the third character. Like kind of the third most important character. Hi, I'm the third one. Three. I'm simple minded. Three. Oh my gosh. Oh, that is that is too good. I'm I'm sure if I did a little research on her name, I'd find something. Sorry if I sorry if I didn't all the Trinity fans, but Mm. yeah. It's, It's it's hard to find the time, I'll be honest. Well, uh, I think we're going to get to part two here in a moment. But if you don't mind, uh, I think I do need to take a little uh, bathroom break, if you will. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so should we um, maybe take a, a short breaky here and uh, and we'll pick up with part two? What do you think? Let's do it. I'm going to look up why Trinity's called. <laughs> Trinity? <laughs> it just says Trinity's name means group of three. <laughs> and she first appears in room 303. But that's just... That's just coincidental that she's in 303. She was named that before. True. Yeah, that doesn't. Cypher's name means zero in Arabic. That's cool. Okay, I'll just have to to look a little bit. All right. I'll be back in in three minutes. Online explanation of Trinity (laughs) is just the same as to allude to the Christian mythology. But then it goes a little bit deeper on the Matrix fandom site. It says that there are theories that... Trinity herself is supposed to be the Holy Spirit and the Son and God. Oh, my. From the conversations, uh, their dialogue goes as follows when she first meets meets Neo. Who are you? My name is Trinity. Trinity? The Trinity? That cracked the IRS IRS D-base? That was a long time ago. Jesus. What? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, that's her responding to Jesus. And later on... He goes, God. And she says, what? And then he responds, I used to eat there. Really good noodles. Yes, really good noodles. <laughs> the Trinity that cracked the IRSD base. 
That was a long time ago. Jesus. What? God. What? I used to eat that. Really good noodles. <laughs> that made me want noodles when they're like, how dare they throw that in there? <laughs> right. Okay, last bit of trivia about Trinity Trinity Trivia. Do you know who else was supposed to maybe play her was Jillian Anderson? Really? Yeah. Mrs. Anderson. Yeah, Mrs. Anderson. Hmm. Playing Tr- Trinity, yes. It's hard to picture anyone else being Trinity other than Carrie. Yeah. Ross. Yeah. I guess that maybe yeah. could have worked. Although I like how she has the black hair and like mm-hmm. she's a little more like kind of slender and athletic looking maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not to like, has, to like yeah. comment on her body or anything, but she just uh, morphs into that role so well. Yeah. She, she and Keanu, I think have like really similar body types in this movie that mm. kind of like athletic slender build and the, like you're saying the black hair. Yeah. And the uh, black sunglasses. Well, I guess they're all wearing black sunglasses. That's true. I love how Morpheus's glasses don't have the things on the side. Like they just clip. Oh, he has the best. He has the best. I was reading about that too, that it was like just this little uh, independent sunglass manufacturer who was up against Ray-Ban and I don't know other sunglass companies. And uh, he ended up nailing the contract for the Matrix movies. So he's he's set for life. Yeah. All right. Should we uh, jump into part two here? Let's go, Floppy D. (laughs) Floppy D. (laughs) We're going to enter part two here. This is going to go from one hour, 50 minutes and 29 seconds, all the way to one hour, 52 minutes and 56 seconds. We've got Neo hanging on to Morpheus with one hand at the end of some chopper rope as Trinity flies over the city. The chopper blaring alarms at her the whole way. Neo drops Morpheus onto the roof that the chopper is passing over and the chopper really starts to drop out of the sky. Neo lands on a rooftop, chopper rope in a hand. As the chopper falls below the rooftop, Trinity unbuckles herself from the plummeting whirlybird, grabs the other end of Neo's chopper rope, and shoots the cable's connection to the chopper. She swings out, and uh, she swings out of the way from the falling bell, and Neo is pulled to the rooftop's edge while holding on to Trinity's lifeline. Trinity continues to swing away from the chopper just as the B212 crashes into the skyscraper opposite of her swing's direction. The building's glass ripples and then explodes in a glassy fireball, knocking the dangling trinity into the nearby building's windows. We cut to Tank aboard the Nebuchadnezzar, proclaiming that Neo is the one. And then we cut back to Neo pulling Trinity to the rooftop. Morpheus, Neo, and Trinity briefly reflect on the Oracle's earlier advice before calling Tank for an exit. End of scene. Mm-hmm. Leave it now, you mentioned was it in your notes or did you say this to me that you think of Trinity swinging away from that building just like when you think of this movie oh a- absolutely it's, it's like I said I thought of the movie first but then it's one of the first scenes that pops in my head when I'm thinking about this I don't even think about the bullet time as much as I think about this scene where she's swinging away and the, the helicopter just creates this like little tsunami in the side of a glass building. I remember seeing that for the first time in the theater and just my jaw dropped. Like it Mm -hmm. was on the floor. Like I've never seen anything like this in a movie before. Like such 
cool physics and like you understand exactly what's going on and but you're seeing this glass explode in slow motion like you've never seen it before but you understand why it's happening i don't know it's just so it's amazing yeah it's just it's just so like real but at the same time like the rippling really makes me think about the matrix because the matrix is this altered reality like it's it's me kind of headcanon thinking that uh, the Matrix has to catch up with what's happening. It's like so much stuff that shouldn't be happening. Right. Like in, the, in this, <laughs> like, like, holy crap, like what are they doing? Well, they're ramming, like who would ram aircraft into buildings? This is crazy. Don't do this. Like <laughs> right. in a busy metropolis. Come on. Like there people in sense. <laughs> <laughs> I want the other movie of like. <laughs> there are people in there. <laughs> like. Like, like, I don't know, like Chad is working at his computer on the other side of that wall. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people just unplug. Because isn't it, if you die in the Matrix, you die in real life? Do I have that right? Yeah, that's they, that's what they say. Yeah, the, oh, your, mind, sucks. your mind makes it real. Yeah. Your mind makes it real. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, Chad's dead. Chad, oh, Chad is dead. <laughs> <laughs> right. He was just a battery in a pod anyway. No big deal. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Hey, can, yeah, now the battery's done, I guess. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to think too much about the Matrix. Like, actually, the Matrix, the Ma- like, or not the Matrix. What I don't even know what the construct is called, mm. uh, where they have all the batteries. Uh, the fields where humans are not born, they are grown. Good Lord. Oh. Just, it's just so, it's just so dark in so many ways. It's like, ah, the Matrix, so fun explosions. Like, don't think about too much of the actual <laughs> right. humans go through because it is terrible. All right, so we got to back up a little bit. At the beginning yeah, of this, at the beginning of this scene, I love like the sweeping shots of mm-hmm. the chopper flying over the city skyline, and apparently this, these were actual shots. Like they flew a helicopter around. A city skyline in was it Australia? Do I have that right? Yeah, Sydney is Sydney, Australia, which had to change some laws afterwards to <laughs> say like, "All right, here's the things we can allow and the things we can't allow when movies are filming like these kinds of scenes." Right, like they got they kind of got in trouble, right? Because they weren't supposed to be flying so close to buildings or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, so we see the the choppers with sweeping shots of the city. And again, like the physics are all there. We understand the chopper's going down. We've got Morpheus hanging on to Neo, um, flying below on this rope. And then we get this great sequence where somehow Trinity is able to land them on a rooftop as her chopper is going down. Well, just just to keep it on that sweeping through the city, mm-hmm. I, it, it so takes me back to kind of James Bond movies. Mm. Um that would pull off these awesome stunts like back in the 60s and 70s where, where you have people dangling from things. And like it's such a cliche action thing to have someone holding on to someone else with one hand. Like it's, right. they still do that today. Like this is not new. Always makes me think of Cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cliffhanger, which I think came out in 98, maybe. Yeah, I, mid- I don't mid-90s, know. Mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. That has to be mid nineties, but I I do appreciate them kind of subverting it a little bit in that Neo is not launching Morpheus up. He's just like, uh, I'm going to drop you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He has no way to pull him up into the chopper and that's not where they want to go anyway. Cause the chopper is going down. So right. yeah, they need to find a way like, off. Get to the chopper! 
Exactly. He's, he's, he's thinking three steps ahead, at least. And he's, <laughs> Morpheus has this look of like, I don't even know what you call that look. Uh, yeah. First off, I'm glad he wore the brown pants and the flight. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's saying, they're like, oh, shit. How many, how many times did Morpheus shit his pants during this? Probably one when he was about to jump and he got shot in the leg. There's one. <laughs> right. Just, just the running out of a building in the first place. You're going to crap your pants. But yeah. like to be shot and like just tumble out of the building instead. Like, oh. Yeah. yeah. And then to be hanging on to Neo. That's definitely another pants shitting moment. Yeah. And then Neo dropping you. And then like, Neo, Neo dropping like, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really hope you're that much of the one to not just <laughs> drop me into like. I don't know, a, a city street right. 200 feet below. Um, so they land on that rooftop and uh, the chopper goes down. I always love like, what a real boss like decision by Neo to see the chopper falling <laughs> and realize he's connected to it by this cable yep. or this rope. And instead of trying to unhook himself from it, he like winds the cable around his arm so he's more yeah. secure to it, you know? Right, not like he's gonna tug of war the helicopter. What a boss move. <laughs> it's so like you think in like all logic would tell you to do one thing and he does the exact opposite. It's great. Just purely hoping that Trinity's going to somehow end up on the other side of the rope, even though she's piloting the aircraft at this time. I always kind of took that a little bit to be an example of sort of their mental connection, like, mm. you know, uh, in, in some level of their, their consciousness, like they kind of know what each other are going to do or are doing good. What? Mm-hmm. And so he knows that the only way Trinity's going to survive is if she is able to get out of the chopper and grab that rope. And so in that split second, he realizes that and doubles down on it. And I always find that to be a great, just a little moment in this scene. Ah, oh, interesting. A little yeah. mental, mental connection. Yeah. Good and job. that's alluded to by uh, Trinity talking about the Oracle throughout the movie. Yeah. But not truly showing us like what the Oracle told her about Neo until right. Like, right. the third part of this rescue, the fourth part of this rescue <laughs> when Neo is, is yeah on the run and, and then he's killed. And then she basically brings him back to life. I guess there's that Trinity symbolism. She basically resurrects him by saying that she loves him and kissing him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm just, just watching this scene over and over where the helicopter crashes and creates like this tide in the building's glass and explodes. Oh, just beautiful. Yeah, well, we then we get that iconic shot, right, where we the camera moves out wide and we see the, the helicopter explode into the building behind her and she's now swinging towards the camera on that cable. Like, what a fantastic movie moment that is. What what a fantastic surprise too at the end there where she actually crashes into the window. Like right. I'm not thinking at all of that there's a window in front that she's just I I think like, oh, she's just gonna free swing, but you think about physics wise and she's coming into the building where he's at the top holding that rope. It totally makes sense physics wise. Right. Um in a in a movie full of defying physics, it's like, oh, this is this is what would happen if you were to hold on that rope and swing in midair between two buildings toward the building that uh, your boyfriend's holding the rope at the top of is it she just slams into it. i just love that visual it's like yeah at first that wide shot the explosion the glass behind her yeah and it looks like it hurts too she's like ah you know she hits that building. yeah not pleasant <laughs> <laughs> and and then then to me it's like even a little bit of maybe it's not 
comedy intentionally, but like right after the explosion, you see her just kind of like tap against the glass from the other side, mm-hmm. from like the reverse shot, where it's just like dunk, dunk, like okay, pull, pull me up now, <laughs> <laughs> like stop messing. Well, that's another example of like you know you're able to forgive a little bit because they are in the matrix. Like in in reality, if this was a real person up there, there's no way Neo could hold on to her. Right. As she's swinging, like he would just topple over the side. Mm -hmm. But we, we forgive that. We let that go because, you know, he's Neo and he's in the matrix and, and they are able to manipulate things a little bit. Yeah. And so any sort of, you know, show of force that feels extraordinary, we, we let it go because that's what this movie is. It's so good. This whole sequence so good. <laughs> this whole sequence, this this movie scene, the entire movie, it's it's good. It's good. And then, yeah, Marcus Chong, uh, Tank, little, little Tank, I guess, yeah, receives the call that they have Morpheus, they need an exit, uh, and he's very excited. He's believing that Neo is the one, and the way he's whatever, reading the code aboard the Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and then, yeah, this is like, to me, it's like a little bit of commercial break. Like right here, it's like boom, commercial break. Yeah. Operator. Tank. God damn, it's good to hear your voice, sir. Need an exit. Got one ready. Subway station. State in Valbo. Yo quiero Taco Bell. You gotta take a breather after all this excitement of like the lobby, the rooftop, mm-hmm. the shootout with the minigun, the another rooftop saving Trinity, the, the explosion. Oh, there's a little another little hint that it's Australia. If you don't know the Sydney skyline, is that behind the agents when they come onto the the rooftop after the helicopter shenanigans, uh, it says authorized with an S instead of a Z. Ah, nice. Ah, nice. Only only the royalty would write like that. Mm. Only royal countries. Only like the Australia. royal countries. <laughs> only penal colonies from. Penal colonies. I do. I have always loved. So in this little commercial break, they have their little conversation about um, Mm -hmm. what the Oracle said. And and Neil's like, Morpheus, I have to tell you, you know, the Oracle told me I'm not the one. And he cuts him off and he says, the Oracle, she told you exactly what you needed to hear. Morpheus. The Oracle. She told me. She told you exactly what you needed to hear. That's all. Neo, sooner or later you're going to realize, just as I did, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Which I always thought was a really great line and kind of puts all of his actions into perspective a little bit. Right? Mm-hmm. Like her, her telling him that is what sort of gave him the freedom to sort of be a kamikaze. Yes. You know, it's what gave him the freedom to just say, well, I'm not the one, so I'm just going to go balls out here because it doesn't really matter. And in the end, it's what sort of unlocked his powers, if you will. Right, right. uh, It's a great little, it's just one little line, but it's a great little connector in the movie. Right, because if he knows he's the one, if the Oracle is telling him that and he's believing that, then maybe he's being more protective of himself. Yeah. Morpheus has no time in this moment to jump in and say anything to him. So we have no idea what Morpheus is thinking other than like, holy, holy shit. Like this is crazy. What's happening right here. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that Morpheus is just kind of cool, calm and collected and 
saying, hey, yeah, like you said, the Oracle told you exactly what you needed to hear. You do get that look of like uh, wonderment and disbelief on Morpheus's face when he sees Neo like wrap the uh, cable around his arm and realizes what he's going to do. They mm-hmm. kind of they they do sort of like do a close up on Morpheus's face real quick, and he sort of has this right. look. Like, oh my god, I can't believe he's doing what he's doing. <laughs> you know, right? Right. Even, even Morpheus was a little awestruck in that moment. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what you want. You want your teacher or your coach uh, catching you doing something badass like that. Like, yeah, yeah you see that? That was that was cool. Yeah, look what I did. <laughs> look what I did. I did that. I saved Trinity. <laughs> I basically saved three people. I mean, Ch- <laughs> you know, the, Chad died. The third one. Whatever. Yeah, the third one. <laughs> <laughs> you are the third one. <laughs> this was a really fun rewatch. And uh, I've seen this movie a countless number of times. But like I said, I, I, I rewatched this last night just so it was fresh in my mind. And um, mm-hmm. no matter how many times I see it, it really holds up. It's, it's just an amazing action film uh from a a point in my life that was very in terms of movies like 1999 is an amazing year for movies and i was seeing a lot oh, of movies yeah. at this time and this still stands out as one of the the best of of that moment yeah it's right up there with uh what is this the second austin powers i think mm. comes out in 99 <laughs> <laughs> The spy who shagged me. Have we have we talked nineteen ninety nine movies on this on this pod yet? I don't think so. Let, let me run through. We're up to twenty movies now, so I have to like really think. Yeah. Ninety one. I don't know if we have uh, eighty six, ninety three. I think twenty sixteen, two thousand two. Uh, no, 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 no. Best years in recent history for for movies. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah, like now, if you look back at the movies released in ninety nine, there's like just a ton of great movies, ton of blockbusters, a ton of really good smaller movies that came mm-hmm. out this year. Like it's often considered one of the best. Um, and looking at the top ten is really interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I, I think I think I saw, gosh, eight out of these ten movies in the theater. Mm-hmm. One of which. One of which was not The Matrix, and the other, I think, was uh, Tarzan. That's the other one I did not see, oh, it, but yeah. I saw all these other movies uh, in theaters. Yeah, I saw a lot of these as well. So, number one, of course, is uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace. Mm. Credits will define. No, they won't. Credits will define. No, they won't. And then we've got The Sixth Sense, Toy Story 2, The Matrix comes in at number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed by Tarzan, The Mummy, Nodding Hill, strange entry, uh, The World Is Not Enough, American Beauty, and Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Interesting top 10. A lot of variety there, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember seeing American Beauty at the time with family and like people were making such a big deal of it. And I think yeah. it won all these awards, but man, it just did nothing for me. I mm. mean, com- compared to Matrix, compared to... Uh, the Mummy. Well, I really like The Mummy compared to Episode One. Consider compared to The Sixth Sense. I mean, you have all these yeah. groundbreaking things. Uh, yeah, American Beauty. But whatever. Um, <laughs> you also have two John McTiernan films. Not films. Not one, but two in Thirteenth uh, Warrior and Thomas Crown Affair. Mm. I really need to see that Thomas Crown Affair. From what I hear, it's not as good as the original, but 
it's still a McTernan. Yeah. You never seen the one with Pierce Brosnan? No, but I, I really need to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, I haven't seen it in years, but I remember liking it. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but there's a lot of like, like smaller, just solid movies from this year. You know, look down this list and it's pretty amazing. You know, Green Mile, Magnolia, uh, The Insider, uh, you know, like kind of cult classics like Varsity Blues and Cruel Intentions. <laughs> Um, office space. Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh, that's terrific, Peter. Um, Lockstock. Man, there's just so many good ones from this year. Three Kings, Fight Club, Kings, Blair Fight Club. Witch Project, yeah. The First American Pie. Being John Malkovich. Um, Being John, yeah, so you have a ton of a ton of movies that are really putting out these, like, just like technically speaking, uh, revolutionary filmmaking techniques like The Matrix. I would argue that episode one does, uh, like, from what I hear, and I've read and heard a little bit about Star Wars uh, movies, but from what I hear is like episode one, it's either episode one or two, I think it is one that, like, to this date still has like the most miniature shots like the most mm. practical shots for as much of a hard time people give that movie for being cgi and it has a ton yeah um but it's it has from, from what i remember like the most practical shots or the most practical effect shots and people don't necessarily think of that um but I, I, yeah that's that's a movie i come back to <laughs> and it was all shot on yeah it was all shot on digital too right which was no that's the uh that's Attack of the Clones was all digital. Oh, okay, that was okay. the first all digital movie. Gotcha. I remember that being kind of a big deal when that happened. Yeah. You got your Blair Witch Project, which is like the first found footage or the first big found footage movie. Yeah. Yeah. You have The Sixth Sense, which is like one of the bigger twist movies of all times. I see dead people. Yeah, it's really it's really quite a year. Um you could do a whole you could do a whole podcast on 1999. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Didn't you say you like listen to a podcast that does that? I, you know, like F this movie has highlighted 1999 several times. Uh, Patrick Bromley and Adam Risky will like pick 10 movies from 1999 and, and mm -hmm. watch them and talk about them. Um, they've done that a couple times because it's such a rich year for decent movies. We should get to some of our uh, housekeeping stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we should talk about our favorite recurring segment. Is it better than Predator? This is going to be a tough one for me. Um, I'm curious to hear what you have to say, John. What do you think? Is it better than Predator? Yeah, like I feel like Predator just keeps getting pushed down that list. Like you still mm. like Predator, right? That's a I still love Predator. Uh, okay, okay, just yeah. checking. Okay, yeah. There's just you, you, there's just a lot of movies out there. Like you, you tend to forget, like how many movies are there? Are a lot of movies out there. Yeah, yeah, there are <laughs> a lot of a lot of movies. We've already talked about. Well, this is officially our 20th episode, yeah, but we that? did lose Spider-Man R.I.P. Mm. 2002 Spider-Man discussion where Zencaster lost my whole side. So Damn it. now I record locally just to cover my, cover my butt. <laughs> but yeah, we've talked about 20 movies so far. And I think this goes up there with that uh, Big Trouble in Little China praise I was giving where mm. I would I would probably put it just like just below Predator, but like right below in Matrix is one like we've talked about. I've watched a lot of times. I'll watch it every couple of years. Uh, like 
maybe I maybe I hear We Hate Movies discussing Matrix as a movie they love, and they did a whole episode not yeah. that long ago on it. And I'm like, okay, I got to go see it. Or I just think of Trinity swinging away from the exploding building. Like, okay, I got to go watch that again. Just just on my list of yeah favorite movies, it, it would probably have to. I'd have to expand from like a top five to a top ten, and Matrix would definitely be on there. Mm. Um, and it would be a tough call a lot of times seeing Matrix and Predator on the table together. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. That's what I come down to is is you put them on the table in front of me. And it yeah. would, of course, uh, as always, have to depend on my mood. But, um, oh, it, pain, it pains. I always feel bad when I choose a movie over Predator. But I think <laughs> I think I have to do it here once again. <laughs> I know wow, and this time I chose the movie that's yeah. better than Predator. Wow. Yeah, yeah so I think for me... The Matrix is going to go ahead of Predator. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing to knock Predator, of course, but um, oh, of course, yeah. Not. This is just one of my <clears throat> terms of. This is actually a, a good comparison. Sometimes we do this segment, and it's a terrible comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is actually a good one. And so, in terms of like action movies that I love, I think The Matrix is going to land just slightly higher than Predator for me. So, okay, sorry Dutch, but um, it is what it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, no hard feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, that brings us to recommends. Recommends. Mm. Are you ready with a recommend? Uh, Should I go? How about you go first, and then I'll think of what I'm going to recommend while you're talking. Sounds good. I wrote All down right. a couple things. Um, <clears throat> I was... Thinking of recommending uh, the current series that they're doing on the Blank Check Pod, which is a filmography of Sam Raimi. Um, Sam Raimi, we've talked about Spider Man. Yeah, and oh, you know, shoot, I, then we you know, lost Spider Man. We lost Spider Man one, but uh, you know, I love uh, Evil Dead movies, and so it was really fun to listen to them do that and go through his filmography. So I'll just do a short recommend there. You know, if if you like Sam Raimi movies, it's a really fun filmography to talk about, and so you should check out the Blank Check Pod right now. They're doing all of his movies in a row um but my main recommend i think i'll do is a uh a tv show my wife and i have been watching uh, which is based on a book by john krakauer uh called under the banner of heaven Hmm. and i believe this is on hulu and um it's the i read the book years ago when it came out and the book is about it's sort of a true crime uh story that is wrapped up in Mormonism and the Church of Latter-day Saints hmm. and uh, and the book kind of simultaneously tells the true crime story of this kind of murder that happens uh, while at the same time giving a history of Mormonism and, and what a checkered past that religion has in terms of its history um, and so they turned it into a miniseries um, and it's Stars, oh shoot! Stars, um, the guy. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, he played he played Spider Man, didn't he? In some. Yeah, he played uh, yeah Spider Man in the Amazing Spider Man movies. Right. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty good. It works really well as sort of a procedural kind of a detective that's trying to unravel um, a crime that has happened, and at the same time they work in a lot of the historical stuff that is um, accounted for in the book. So uh, I feel like it's a pretty good show. And so check that out if that seems like something you might be interested in. So Under the Banner of Heaven, uh, based on the book. 
by John Krakauer. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Was this like controversial when it came out? As soon as I hear like fundamentalism taken on by uh, by a movie or a book or both, I have to I have to wonder like is that is that sparking controversy in that community? Yeah, I think within the community it certainly did um, because mm. it kind of cast a light on some of the hypocrisies and um, shady dealings that happen behind the scenes. Um, and in particular, they go into a great detail about like the fundamentalist uh, Mormon like enclaves that exist where you have people living by like the fundamentalist rules where like polygamy and child brides and and a lot of the kind of gross things that happen uh in those in those kind of almost like cults um Mm -hmm. and so yeah i'm pretty sure it was quite controversial when it came out but um it's um it's really a riveting story and if you like you enjoy like sort of having history woven into uh, sort of as this background to a, a current crime story that's happening. It's it's done really well. So, yeah, I recommend it. It's pretty good. Okay, and that is Under the Banner of Heaven. Yeah, on Hulu. We, on Hulu, Under the Banner of Heaven, which is a, we'll call it a TV miniseries, because that's what IMDb calls it. Yeah. Thanks, Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, also, Sam Worthington is in it. We're going to have a lot of we did have a lot of fun we when we recorded. <laughs> I'm bummed we lost that. Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son is in it. Yeah, yeah. That guy's great. Um, I don't know a whole lot of other people. Uh, Daisy Edgar Jones, a lot I think, is a character up-and-coming actors. British actress. Yeah, a lot of kind of character actors I sort of recognize. Um, mm-hmm. The And Garfield's sidekick is, uh, shoot, I forget his name, but he's... Oh, 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 I got it, I got it, I got Odie. Yeah. Ah, I love him. He's also, (laughs) he plays the uh, sidekick cop in Hell or High Water, which is another great film. Um, And he's just really good in it too. So cool. Cool. Under the banner of heaven. Well, um, I will go ahead and recommend season two of, you know, I also watch TV with my wife. Mm. So, you know, Mm. we, we also enjoy a show now and then. Sure. a mutual show. Um, well, we watched season two of Russian Doll and really enjoyed that. Oh, I got to catch up with that. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch season one of Russian Doll? I did, but it was, you know, it was on a couple of years ago, I feel like. Right. So I need to. Yeah, there is. There is a big gap. I think like a three year gap between yeah, the seasons. Yeah. So worth um, watching. Wait. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no <but> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely worth watching. Um, if you liked any if you like the the concept of the first season, um, I think what's great about the second season is, is it, it's taking another concept totally a different direction. It is not um, the same concept at all. Totally different concept. Mm. I don't want to talk too much about it. Yeah. Um, but it does dive into family and like, I don't know, you could say forgiveness. Mm. Uh, I would say is like the, the two big topics, the two big issues that come up over and over again. And Natasha Leone just knocks out of the park she's just she's amazing great. as this anti-hero a true anti-hero um in this show we're like you kind of like her sometimes you kind of don't mm-hmm. you don't know it's like i think to me she comes across as just like a, a very realistic person and how they would go about this and how they would react and not just like doing all these heroic things but just kind of like making mistakes and like being selfish and um not necessarily thinking of the right solution at the right time mm. 
I, th I think she just nails it. Um, probably our, our, one of uh, the highlights for Sarah and myself, because we like Schitt's Creek so much, is that Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek, the, the daughter from Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alexis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She pops up as a recurring character. Nice. Both yeah, Sarah and I just love that. Yeah, she's she's great. And you realize just how tall she is when she's on the show because she's like <laughs> towering over everybody else. And Schitt's Creek, she's like just that same height as uh, the Levies, you know, but I guess it turns out they're pretty tall too because whenever she's on screen, you're like, oh, wow, she is tall. Wow, she is funny. A very tall individual, but that's a Russian doll, the, specifically the second season, but I'll just type it in as Russian doll. I think I recommended that way back in the Predator Minute days, season mm. one, <laughs> like when it was brand new. <laughs> sure, and that's, sure. uh, that's on Netflix. Nice. All right. I'm going to have to catch up with it. I got a bunch of shows I need to catch up with. Yeah. Same. Oh, and she just, Natasha Leone, <laughs> who knows when this comes out, you know, whatever, but she just um, hosted SNL. Yeah. I watched that recently. Yeah. I've, I've not yet watched it, but um, yeah, Sarah and I will sometimes put on different sketches there and watch that. For sure. For sure. All right. That has been uh, recommends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. now, now's the part where one of us, we don't know who, is going to reveal the next movie and scene. Well, no, it should be you because I, I revealed it. It's me. <laughs> Surprise. Think of something. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Quick, vamp, so I can think of something. Uh, something, something, something. All oh, right. Uh, we're going to watch another movie and talk about oh, it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I chose a... A little more of a modern movie. We've been uh, doing a lot of movies from the 80s and 90s, I feel like. I, I chose one that's a little newer. Mm. Um, it's from uh, eight years ago, 2014. 2014. Yeah. By you saying that, I am instantly thinking about movies. We, we, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, like drip, drip feed this out. Let's, let's see if I can do it. All right. So this is a science fiction film. Oh. Um, this was directed by Alex Garland. Alex Garland, is this one of your favorite movies? Is this Ex Machina? It's Ex Machina. Same way we look at fossils. Hello. How do you feel about her? Oh, man, she's amazing. You're impressed? <laughs> yes. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Now the question is, how does she feel about you? Do you think about me when we are together? Did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? This is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Fine. Did you know that I was brought here to test you? <laughs> Does Ava actually like you? Or is she pretending to like you? Nathan, isn't your friend You're wrong? You're wrong about what? Everything. Do you want to be with me? Can we talk about the lies you've been spinning me? What lies? What lies? You have to help me. You have to help me. 
What will happen to me if I fail your test? Yes. Whoa, what a pull. Wow, great <laughs> job. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has two uh, of the sequel era Star Wars people in it, so ah. it was like required viewing, like before Force. It was the year before Force Awakens. I had to right, watch it. Right, right, um, yeah. I'm excited to talk about this one. This is one of my favorite modern sci-fi films. It's very cerebral, um, sort of a slow burn, but um, one of the most beautiful movies I think that's been made in the last decade or so. Um, mm. And I want to talk about the ending. I don't have the exact time stamp, but we're going to do something from the ending of this movie when everything kind of comes to a head. And it's one of the most gripping endings, I think, of any movie I've seen in a long time. Um, huh. And uh, this is one I revisit uh, pretty often. Um, this is also one I own. And um, I think this will make for a really good discussion. There's a lot of interesting ideas and concepts uh that are woven into this film so i think it'll be an interesting one to talk about awesome um, so yeah so I, I hope uh i hope you enjoy your rewatch of this ex machina yeah i'm definitely looking forward to it like i said i watched it uh, the year it came out because it had a couple of the upcoming star wars people in it and just had to watch it and yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, it was one of those where it's like, this is super confusing and uh, <laughs> I enjoyed the visuals and <laughs> I, I enjoyed the actors, but I'm, yeah, I'm still, still a little bit confused about everything that went on. So I'm looking forward to watching that again, uh, having you walk me through some things. <laughs> I think when you watch it again, it'll, it might click for you um, okay. because it's, it's actually, once you break it down to the bare bones of the story, it's pretty simple. Okay. Um, but uh, there's a lot to unpack in terms of the characters' motivations and some of the uh, some of the what am I trying to say um, the the motives and the way they disguise those motives, the different characters um, mm. as the movie progresses, and um, it's really really good. It's it's one that I think is one of the smarter movies that's been made recently. So. Yeah, this should be fun. I'm really excited. Ex Machina. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, gosh, is there anything else? Oh, we have to do the socials. Mm. Jeff, what, what are your socials? Well, you can find me on the Twitter. I am Carl underscore Hungus 314. My name is Carl been expert. Find me on the Twitter sphere. You can follow me there. Where can we find all things Seen It All with Jeff and John? John. Oh, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> uh, you can... Uh, <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. We are at Seen It All. That's at S C E N E It All underscore. Shoot. I was like, okay. <laughs> underscore. I'm going to delete that little gap there. It'll just make it sound like nice and smooth. At Seen It All <laughs> underscore. You can email the show, Seen It All Podcast at gmail.com. This is the part of the show where I check the inbox for Seen It All Podcast. Uh, also, part of the show see. when we realize there's nothing in the inbox. <laughs> oh, no. It says. Hello, thank you for the prompt response. Please don't be bothered as to why you have been contacted for this and its genuineness as I have done so from a oh. pure motive. I am Maria Elizabeth Schaefer Thurman, 80 mm. years old, a German citizen, wife of late Georg W. Scheffler. You can see here, and there's like a link I shouldn't have clicked on. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, 
One and a half million is to kindly confirm readiness by formally introducing yourself in detail as listed below. Full name, Mr. Anderson. Country, age, sex. Yes, please. Phone Mr. number. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Oh, don't mind if I do. They call me Floppy <laughs> D. Uh, I think that's a scam email, so we're going to... Might be. Might be. Yeah. Then another one says, hi, seen it all podcast at Gmail. Found your details on Google, and I have looked at your website and realized your website has great design. <laughs> it's a simple cast website. I didn't design it, but thank oh. you for the mm-hmm. well, thank thanks for the props. For, yeah, thank you for the props, uh, <laughs> Scambot. <laughs> we have nothing uh, with the uh, Gmail, but feel free to send us a message, and as you can see, we'll read it on the air live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live. We'll do it. We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live. Um. <laughs> Anything else? Oh, I said that would. Yeah, we have a Facebook group, Seen It All with Jeff and John. We'll delete that gap. Um, Seen It All with Jeff and John uh, on the Facebook. Feel free to join up there. Talk your favorite scenes. Give us some ideas. Feel free to throw some scene ideas. Sure. Um, I don't think I've quite done that yet, uh, but I might be dipping into that the next time I recommend something because mm. I like to. I like to take inspiration from just where I can find it. Sure. Love it. Yeah. 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 But. Gosh, for everything seen at all with Jeff and John, I've been Mr. Zabriskie. <laughs> and I didn't know where to – if I'm going Smith or Connor. Yeah, I didn't know either. <laughs> Mr. Zabriskie. And I've been Jeff Glover. <laughs> I've been Floppy D. <laughs> and I've been Shadow. <laughs> and until next time. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. You wanna sing, yeah, you wanna sing Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean You wanna sing, yeah, you wanna sing Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me You can go to the diner for a meal with Meg You can yell at your class, stab yourself in the leg You can upgrade your boat for when sharks attack And you can be like Arnold, tell him I'll be back You wanna sing, yeah, you wanna sing Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean you wanna see, yeah, you wanna see Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me Jeff and John talk scenes and quotes Jeff improvises while John takes notes From Mozambique to Montreal You can join in the chat on Scene It All You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see Like when the Xenomorph took out Harry Dean You wanna see, yeah, you wanna see Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me Seen it all with Jeff and John.